In Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1, Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1, and uh, if, if you want to title the message, sometimes uh, a lot of people will come up and say, what was the name of that message? So you can look it up online or write it down in your Bible or, or whatever it is. We're going to entitle this Idols. Idols in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. I want to get into this because I'll promise for any Christian that will read this, you'll read this and go, man, that frustrates me so bad. When, when we read something like this saying, these guys were crazy. Why did they do what they did? You guys know the story. God led them to this point. God calls Moses up on the mountain. They're down there and they get bored and they think, we don't know what became of this guy. Maybe we should just up and do our own thing. So they do something crazy. When the people saw that Moses delayed to the coming down in the mountain, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not which has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received unto their hand and fashioned with a graving tool after he had made a molten calf and he said these be they thy gods O Israel which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt let's pray God I know Lord what you spoke to my heart when I read this and Lord just the thoughts and and Lord just the fact that so often Lord it is very true that we still have idol worship today and Lord I just pray Lord as we take the next few minutes on this Sunday night as Christians have gathered together once again, Lord, to sit around the Word of God. Lord, help us not just to fill an hour, but Lord, help us to receive the Word. Help us to be convicted within our hearts. Lord, help us, Lord, to be willing to change whatever is not right in our lives, that we can honor and follow you and glorify you, Lord, with every part of our being. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, every time growing up that I've ever read this passage, I'm like a lot of you guys, I sit back and go, why would you do that? Now, if, if it was just a matter of there was the gods of the Egypt, and then we went in and introduced and said, I've got a new god, and follow this god, and said, you know, okay, and you, you switched over, maybe I could get it. This god gave them ten plagues. This god split the Red Sea. This god dropped, our god dropped fire down from heaven and, and caused a wall of fire before the Egyptians our God, that they witnessed this, swallowed up the entire army before them. And then they just turn around and say, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we worship a rock or, you know, the golden calf? And this, and I'm thinking, how could you trade in all this for something so foolish? And I know a lot of us have thought that ourselves. But first of all, before we pass judgment, let's just stop and break down what an idol is. Number one, what is an idol? An idol is anything that we hold up above God. That, that's honestly, that, that's what we're talking about. An idol is anything that we hold up above God. I, I'm telling you guys this because what I did is I started breaking down what an idol was. I started realizing how many idols that we have. And it might not come in the form of a statue like when we were in Thailand. You'd go over and they'd have the statues everywhere. We don't do that in churches or in America ourselves for the most part, but we do have idols. An idol is anything that is above God. In this passage, it was a golden calf. It was something that we create, that we give our allegiance to. And they said unto him in verse 1, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. 
This was something that they were going to create, that they were going to follow. All right, here's the next thing. An idol is something that takes our attention off of God. They stopped looking up and started focusing on this thing. It was something that they had this concoction and they put all there and they rallied around and they were like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. And before long, when they were staring up at this mountain where God was showing up, man, I'd rather have been Moses on top of that mountain. Moses was on the second time I went and said, Lord, just pass by that I can see your glory. They were over there worshiping a hunk of gold. See, how sad is that? Yeah, I think God looks down at us a lot of times and says, yeah, that is pretty sad. You, you, you build up something out of your concoction, of your brain, or your ideas, or whatever, and then you bow down to it when you should be looking up to me and following me and listening for me as God is crying out the Ten Commandments and, and writing them with his own finger on the, on the side of the mountain. Here's the other thing. An idol is something created by man rather than God. You think about that. An idol, God will never create us an idol for us to follow. It is something that we do ourselves. And Aaron said, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them unto me. See, get the idea of this. This idol that they were worshiping, they all took a little bit of everybody. It wasn't just a matter of some guy said, hey guys, come over here, I got something. This was something the... the the mindset of the entire crowd that says, I've got something, they held it up. They all pitched in and they made this out of the opinions or the ideas of the collective crowd that was there. The Bible says that they, in verse 4, and they received them in their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. You know what that tells me? They formed it into what they wanted it to be. When God did not respond in their life, it's been a long time, guys. Tired of waiting. Uh, I'll tell you, this is how I think God should be. And they took their tools in their hands and they started saying, you know what, we'll just create the God that we want. We'll form it into our ideas and our opinions. And they, you know what the scary thing is? What was in their minds was going back to the very thing that God saved them from, which was bondage. It was not God. It was not truth. It was their own creation. Then they held it up and they worshipped it. And during all this time, Moses is on the mountain meeting with God. Now let's go to the application of this. That, that this is what an idol is. We can see this, and idol worship is all through the Bible. We see that God's always screaming out and warning us against. Let's do the application side of this, which is identifying our idols. Here's the thing is, and, and, I, and, and this is where God laid this on my heart. I want you guys to understand and follow me as I say this because I'm, I'm going to get really personal here, okay? I want you guys to get, because a lot of times we're thinking the God of money and the God of this. I'm going to tell you, there's some gods that hit even more home than this. And I'm not taking this from the traditional way that people preach this. I'm doing this from what God laid on my heart of what the definition of an idol is. Number one, let me show you this. We can create our own version of family as an idol, just like the golden calf in the Old Testament, what it was is they went around and each person pitched in. And then they collected those things and man held up in front of the crowd and said, this is what I think this should be. And, this is and they all threw in and created this to where all of a sudden the Bible says, let's lift this up that we may all, instead of following God, follow after this image, this thing that we've collectively have done. You're saying, how does it do that? I'm telling you, in the world, in the society, in the modern culture which we know today, 
Everybody has thrown in their two cents as to what family and the home should look like rather than following after what God said it is. This idea of the modern family drives me crazy. And I'm talking, if you are the family being, if you are two people, four people, eight people, grandparent, whatever it is. You know when I find out a lot of things that was molded by this world is families that are stressed out, strung out families that never slow down and never connect. And I know I've been preaching on this when it comes to the church family, but let's, let's take this a little more home tonight. And I know this is the way of the world. And, and almost, we feel like we're in this pressure cooker that we cannot change this or break it or whatever, but I'm here to say, as every one of those bowed their knees and said, okay, I will acknowledge that this is what it should be, and every one of them made a conscious decision to bow to that, I'm telling you, so do we as Christians have a choice is to what we're going to allow the world to form and mold and put before us where we take our attention off of what God said it should be and we put our attention on what the world wants it to be. We live in a day and age where families are rarely together. There is no dinner time. There is no family time. It, it, we live in a day and age where kids don't understand work. We don't understand respect. We don't understand the order of who God has put in the home and why. Moms that don't teach their daughters how to be moms or how to be wives. Dads don't take time for their sons to understand. I, I cannot stand the mindset of how Nickelodeon and, and Disney and MTV and all the other ones go up and they throw their two cents in there as, as the devil sits there and forms this God in front of us and says, this is the way it should be. I want you all to follow this. And this is so old-fashioned that, hey, don't wait on God to give you what you want. This is going to give you instantly what you want right in front of you. And you know what we're getting? We're following after something that is not only leading us astray, it's leading our children astray. You see, it bothers me when we have teens that feel like being with their families is not cool. Can I say that again? There's a problem that we've allowed the world to step in and mold something before us when they have the idea that being with mom and dad or being with brothers and sisters is no longer cool. See, that's, it's not a modern way of thinking or anything else. God established the home and he had a reason for the home and we will fail without the home. And, and the reason why I'm realizing that a lot of these mindset things that we've created this, these idols that we even follow are these ideas, if you will, and that's what it was, it was just something they concocted and lifted up and said, look at this instead of this, is what the idol was. It was an idol is something that pulls your attention off of what is right to something that is not right. And all of a sudden, we have these young people that almost reject their families. And I, I, I know parents are weird. You guys admit it, you're weird. We do weird things. I, I, I try not to say too much here. <laughs> You know you're weird. Let me just put it like that. Here, it bothers me that nobody in this story was fighting against what was going on. You know what they did? They just went, oh, okay, and they just went after it. Just like the children of Israel, they all jumped into it. Nobody questioned. Why did anyone jump up and say, this is not right? And I'm here to tell you, church, that we can do the same thing. We can follow after what the world sets before us rather than stopping saying, no, this is not. This is what God saved us from, not what we should be following once again. 
It might be the day and age in which we live, but I'm telling you, we do not have to bow to the idea or the idol of what the world has set before us. And I'm here to say, and the reason why, and the way that this is, and I'll get it to it in a minute, is tearing down the aisles, uh, idols of what has been set before us. The only way that we're going to change it is we step up and say no. And that's what God did. God stepped up and said no, and he destroyed it all and said, no, get your attention back on me. Look at what should be right. Look at what I'm going to tell you. I can bring you success. And I guess just because of the world that we live in, we almost just go after his drone. And we've a lot of it have justified it in our minds and saying this is just the way that it is. It's the way that it is if we let it be the way that it is. It is a choice. Not, not only have we created our own version of family, but I think we've created our own version of church. I, I recently spoke to someone that was very passionate about something dealing with church. And in the middle of this, I, I asked them the question. I said, wow. I said, I've never heard that before. Where is that in the Bible? And they responded and said very quickly, said, Pastor Tony, I'm not saying that it's in the Bible. I'm just saying it's how I feel. But I'm going to tell you right now that you are wrong if you don't do this. And I am quoting. And I, was, I about fell out of my chair. I thought, oh my goodness. What we did is say, no, just close, don't, yeah, close that, close that, close that. Let, let me tell you what I feel and what I'm thinking and what I, and I'm not the only one that feels this way. And we collectively, and all of a sudden we stop even looking at what God said. We just start looking at this because that's what everybody is doing. I, I tell you, there's a great danger when we get into that. If it is wrong, then God will tell us. If it is right, God will instruct us. We cannot go by the opinions and everything. I say that because I said we're going to get personal as I preach to this. I want to I tell you that I have personally done this. I, 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 am, I am a full mindset for us as a church and as Christians. And what I'm preaching on Sunday morning and everything of, of, of being transparent and being there for one another and Break down the plastic idols that we try to impress each other with. It's, it's important that we are transparent, that we are honest, that we are open, that we are caring and we are loving and we are doing all the things that God said. These are my ideas. Every one of them. It's not something that I know, you know, I've got this idea. Every one of these things are foundational principles that God said should be the characteristics of the church. But I was caught up in this. I, I created in my mind what I thought a pastor should be. I mean, I'm going to be honest. And I, I grew up in, you know, there, there's no manual. I don't, I don't know if there's a book, and please don't buy it for me if there is. <laughs> that says Pastor for Dummies, okay? You, you know, they have the, all, all the books for dummies books or whatever, because I don't know how I would take that. Here's a, pastor, here's a book to, for dummies. I'm like, okay, that could go a lot of different ways. But, but I, 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 I could not back up this image of what I felt like a pastor should be, I could not back it up with scripture. The idea that it was just created over years of things that I observed and I heard and I witnessed from other people and all this, I'm not saying all these things are wrong. It's, it's not a matter of that. And now let me say this when it comes to not only me as a pastor and you in whatever role and title that you have. The description of our role should come from God, not the ideology of what is created by man. And I, I say that when it comes to your role as a grandmother and grandfather. I say that when it comes to your role as a mom and a dad. 
and even as a teen or a dating couple, whatever it is, you watch Hollywood, they're going to explain it a whole lot different than what God's going to tell you it should be. And if you follow what you see on TV rather than what you are reading in God's word, you have created an idol created by the world that they say, follow after this, when God said, no, you follow after me. And that is the reason why not only is the world in a mess, but churches are in a mess, because we are doing the very thing they did in this passage. We follow after ideas that are held up before us. I was studying for a message that I was preaching a couple of weeks ago, and I was in Acts, and it wasn't my passage. I was just reading through verses. And in Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you, for you. And it says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And then they said the reason why. These are the preachers, the pastors, the leaders of this church that we've been studying on Sunday morning. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of God's word. And I got that, and I will be honest, it struck me to the core of conviction. My job description, given by God from the beginning of there, saying you ought to be passionate more than anybody in that church about praying. You should uh, also be passionate about studying, about doing your very, very, very best to preach the truth that is not watered down. It's a scary thing for me to think that there has been a lot of weeks that I have gone by in that my ministry that the hardest thing that I have done, which God calls out to be the main thing that I should have been doing. I'm, I'm not saying this to blame anybody. I, I dictate my own schedule. I, I allow these things to be there when God never put them there to begin with. And here's the thing. Some weeks I almost feel like I struggle with my messages and things because I did not have time to properly invest in my lessons or my messages the way I should have because I was following after a model that was set up for me that does not line up with God's word I, I, I try to list out this job description given by man and myself rather than what God has given me and it's the same thing as collecting the earrings from the crowd of gathering everybody to say and say, hey, come on, let's create this of what we think it should be. And then we follow after it. And then we see a lot of failure, the same way they did. I feel as a pastor that there are certain things that I get hung up on personally. I, 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 I hear people say that I feel that pastors should do so-and-so or you should be there for this and you should do that. What kind of pastor and all these things and all that gets put in my brain to the point where I have tried to keep up with the idea or I've tried to push myself to a certain level. I have told Jen so many times and I've gotten home and, and I've told her, I said, I just want to reach the level of my ministry where I can come home and not feel guilty like I still didn't get everything done that I should have got done. And it, it's an awful feeling. It's a feeling of guilt. And I tell her, I should have went and saw so-and-so. I didn't get out to here. I missed this. I didn't do that. I wish I would have lined this up in different things. Then I let little things build up, little sayings and things like that that people say. And then I get consumed with guilt. And I have caught myself thinking, well, I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good preacher. I'm not this. I'm not that. Then I get caught up on the other side where I feel bad to my kids saying I'm not home enough because I'm trying to offset this side of it so much that I'm not even doing this side of it. 
me and Jenny sold our house in December. And uh, I was, it was a great feeling because we didn't think we'd ever get out from selling that house just due to the housing market and everything that was going on. And uh, we went on this crazy search as a family to find a new home for our family. And, and we were in an apartment with a short-term lease, and we didn't have to sell a house anymore. And, and I'll be honest, me and the devil hung out during that time. It was not the most enjoyable thing, but we did. And the devil came up to me many times and thought, you know what? You know all that guilt and headache and frustration that you have? You don't have a house anymore. You just go and not even deal with it anymore. I'm, I'm just being honest. Because I could not keep up with the golden calf. I, I, could not, I could not follow after what everybody that we sculpted. And not everybody. Let me be honest. Let me be brutally honest. It's not what people made up. It's what I made up. I, I carved this thing out. I laid it out. I invented it. I had this idea of what it should be, and, and, and all of a sudden, I was running by guilt and constant feeling of frustration and, and just trying to run from it underneath this cloud of responsibility that I could not do. You know, the, the thing is, too, that most preachers struggle with their kids, and now I know why, because they're chasing a golden calf that was created by them rather than God. And here's the thing. God's ways are not filled with frustration. Can I say it again? God's ways are not filled with black clouds, frustration, and aggravation. They're not. So if we ever get to that point, I'm going to cry out to you and tell you something's wrong. And you better look at what you're following because it's a good chance it's not God Almighty, but something you created. Jesus told me, he said, Tony, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what my God told me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, you know what I, I want to do and what I want you to do with everything that we do is we, we flip the piece of paper over we pull out a pen and we reprioritize our life according to what God says and not what we say not what TV dictates not what you look at is whatever TV show has that perfect mom it's not leave it the beaver mom that you're trying to be or anything else that you're trying to create or follow it's not the opinions of what everybody says a mom should be on Pinterest or whatever show that you follow and website that you follow and all these ideas of what the world says and I don't get up early enough I don't do, do enough I don't hand make my applesauce for my kids or whatever pressure that you have in life and all of a sudden we feel and driven by guilt because we're trying to keep up with what other people say we should be doing we create gods are you trying to say pastor tony that you're trying to straighten us out as a church saying that our church is expecting too much out of you as a pastor no i am not because the pressures that I'm talking about did not come from you. I, I don't have a list. I, I, nobody's ever stopped in and said, by the way, I think you should do these things by the end of the day. I don't have that. Let me tell you, and if I was to say that, it would be a cop-out to not acknowledging my own sin in my life. And let me just throw this back on you. 
some of you need to do the same thing. We get to the point where we say, well, this world today is just so hard, da 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 because of the fact that we can't say no, or we can't prioritize. And I sat down and I thought, oh, okay, uh, <clears throat> what are my priorities in my life? Number one, my priority above all things is my relationship with God. Number two, my relationship with my wife and my children. Number three, to pray and to study and to preach God's word the way that he has called me to do. So you know what I need to start Monday with? Is number one, number two, number three, go through these things and follow after what God is telling me to do and not what man is. See, here's the thing. I am accountable for my actions. And you are accountable for your actions. You can justify, you can make it up, you can say the world that we live in, the pressure, the job, da-da-da-da-da-da, that maybe you need to sit down with a list of things that you have in your life with a big fat red pen and start crossing some things out. Because if we get to the point where we're not who we should be and what God wants us to be, then, then you may as well pull back the curtain of whatever it is and find that big golden calf that you've been following and worshiping that you created and allowed the world around us to create that we don't question, we just bow to, we follow. It's nobody's fault but myself. If I blame the church family for this, then I am shifting the blame rather than taking responsibility for myself. They built this golden calf and they planned to follow it. And following is a choice. See, the thing is, we all need to examine our lives and prioritize our lives and get back. Because I'm telling you, things are only getting worse in this world. Things are getting crazy. And our young people, that this, this generation sitting right here in front of me, that something's missing in their life. And all of a sudden, we label ourselves as Christian homes. And if you were to ask the typical Christian family why you label yourself as a Christian home, you know what they're going to say? Well, we go to church. That, that is great that you go to church because that is a part of a Christian home. But a Christian home is a mom and a dad that love each other or a dad or a mom or however your home is. Whatever God's allowed you to have or whatever God's giving you. But the core of it is God there as much as God here. And you're teaching, you're leading in all these things and when we've allowed the world to cramp us up so much that we don't have time for the basics of things, even if they're good things and even if they're from other people, then it's still not right. Still not right. Because God's ways are perfect. And God's priorities are his priorities that he dictated over us. We didn't make them up. If we did make them up, then they would be an idol. God did. So let me close with the last points. We've identified idols. We've identified our idols. And then God showed us how to deal with idols. In chapter 32, verse 20, and he took the calf which he had made and he burnt and in the fire and he ground it to powder and he strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink from it. Now, I looked it up and I was getting get into the whole thing about why he made them to drink from it and the symbolism, all that there. And I thought, well, I'm getting right off course, so let's get back. Here's the first thing we do is we tear down the idols in our lives. Why? Because I'm telling you now, bowing down and following after the ways of man above the ways of God will not be tolerated by God. We will struggle in our church. 
We will struggle in our homes. We will struggle in our marriages. We will struggle in every aspect of our life if it is not 100% founded by what God says. And I have found myself a lot of times being proud to be able to say, we're a biblicist, we preach the Bible, we do this. And then I go back to my open illustration of where we have different people that come up and say, I know it's not in the Bible, but that's just how I feel. I have a lot of feelings about how I should be a pastor. I have a lot of feelings of what, or you might have a lot of feelings of what, but the only feeling that matters is what God says. And the only way, the thing that matters, even in the way that you run your home or the time that you spend with your kids or the time that you spend with your spouse or whatever it is, God dictates that. And when there's an absence of all of those things, God says whatever it is, it's getting between you and what I want for your kids or you or what I want for your spouse or you or what I want for your church, it better be knocked down, destroyed, and blown in the dust the way that God said it for it to be. Because at the end of our lives, when we're looking back and we're turning around and saying, man, I was worn out. I was exhausted. I, I, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I lost my joy of ministry. I've lost my joy of being a deacon. I've lost my joy of bus ministry. I've lost my joy of whatever it is that you've done. Even to the respect there were a lot of people are losing their joy even being parents. All you do is run morning till morning sometimes. All you do is get in this rat cage that the world has created for us and we've left out all these things i'm here to tell you that we're not to be dictated by all these things of the world and we need to step back and say god i'm not going to lose my number one priority which is your relationship and the relationship that i have with my family and sometimes it gets uncomfortable to where we're we have to be willing just to tear them down and that's not a pretty sight it's not comfortable it's not easy but it is right as God went down there and they were like, oh God, I hope you forgive this and obviously this is what you want. And God said, destroy it. Get it out. It makes me sick. Later on we come to a passage where we read about how God not only tells us to tear it down, but he also desires where we wholeheartedly follow after God. Not just in word. Not, not the idea of saying that we're biblicists or we follow the word of God and everything. You know, you know what I do with everything now? I, I promise you. Everything that I do, everything that I dig into, everything that I'm preaching on Sunday morning. It's not a matter of this and that. I'm studying these things. I'm in a deep conviction. I'm I'm asking God. I'm showing God. I'm thinking, man, I'm not doing that. That, you You know what God will do? God will bless us big time when we humble ourselves. Get us out of it. When we humble and say, God, I'm sorry for not being the dad or the mom. I'm sorry for not being the pastor that I should be. I'm sorry for letting other things dictate my time and my attention. I'm sorry Because we answer to God. We don't answer to man. Quit pleasing man because we're only called to please God. It's easy to get under that peer pressure of pleasing other people. It's easy. But the only one that's being glorified through that is the devil. That's it. Looking forward in Exodus 34 verse 12. He said, take heed to thyself lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest. Lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. He shall destroy all their altars, breaking down their images, cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. You want to know why a lot of us are missing out on the blessings of God? Now, now understanding this is not a sinful jealousy. This is a righteous jealousy. There should be. Where God sits down and says, whoa, 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 whoa. I killed that calf back in Egypt. I tore it down. 
Do you know what the calf does? And I was excited about getting to this point. Do you know what the calf was a symbol of for them? It was a symbol of Egypt, which was a symbol of bondage. You think about that. It was a symbol of what God took them from. And we build up these things and we follow after them in our lives. And I'd love to go up those guys one day and say, let me ask you guys a question. Who was going to carry that big monstrous thing through the wilderness? It was made of gold and it was big enough for the whole, I don't know how big it was, if it was 12 feet, 6 feet or whatever, but I can tell you it was monstrous, big and heavy. You know what I thought? That is a description of us carrying, oh God, I'm so tired, I'm so worn out, Lord, I can't, it's hard having a family, God, it's hard, family time is hard, God, Lord, I don't have time in that ministry at the church, and I can't, whatever, Lord, how would you, and God's turning around saying, what are you doing, did you throw that thing down, I didn't give you that, that was never my idea, you created that, that was your idea, God removes that bondage from a life that is created and molded in the image of what man wanted, not God. I guess I just challenge you to be one of the guys that I don't read of in this passage. Is everybody is bowing down and saying, this is just the way things is in this society, or this is the way things have to be for a pastor, preacher, man, father, mother, whoever you are. Just about and say, I'm no. I'm not going to bow. That that, that statue has done nothing for me. It it has no benefits. I know what God has done for me. I know what he has planned for me. I'm going to break the bondage because God's already saved me from that yoke of bondage. And I'd rather just follow God. And get out from what man has told us to do. And get back to what God has told us to be. And I know this wasn't... The, the, the typical type of message, but let me just say, we need to get back to where we just face reality. Guys, I'm, I'm trying to be really transparent, honest to you with the things that I'm, and I'm let me tell you, I'm having a, a, an awesome time doing, when I, when I tap into what I should be doing and what I want, what, what God has given me to do, there's a lot of joy in that. There's a lot of joy when you get back to where God wants you to be and you break the idol worship that we've allowed in our homes and churches.